Let's test. Test the mics. Test the mics. Mic testing. We have bad luck with equipment. Tech does not like us, and thus we test it. Ready graphics? Ready theme? You I'm Jesse Mullins. And I'm Lauren Milberger. And this is FYI, the Murphy Brown Podcast. Benjamin, Benjamin, I love this show. It's one of my favorites. Leans back, puts hand in his pocket like a pants model. It's the most pretentious thing you've ever said to me. <laughs> and on today's episode, we'll be talking about season one, episode 12, Why Do Fools Fall in Love? Hello. Hello. Welcome back. Welcome back to our regularly scheduled programming. Oh, that was recapping so... Recapping the episodes. That's uh, so like the CBS special, you know? Yes, I've, I've always wanted to just do broadcasting. Or uh, CBS stereo surround. It, it made me think about the fact that I really enjoy when I go in for voiceover stuff doing mm. the side effects speech. Like, so today's episode is going to be Why Do Fools Fall in Love? Directed by Barnett Kelman. Written by... Uh, someone who wrote it again? Oh, ah. Uh, mm. Corby Siamis. Yes, that's how you say her name. Oh, Corby Siamis. That's it. Oh, yeah. yeah. We know her. And it aired February 13th, 1989. That date will come into play in this episode. Yes. So last time we did Off the Job Experience, mm-hmm. which you may have remembered or not, was January 30th. And then, which used to happen a lot more than it does now, shows get preempted. Yes. So we had Murphy's Romance, because <laughs> apparently CBS likes irony. Who doesn't love a little wordplay yeah. when you're the only when the executives are the only ones really looking at it? I know, really. Well, people who are watching might mm-hmm. go, "Well, Murphy, no, it's not. It's Sally. Oh, there's a special about Murphy's Romance, but it's not. It's not. It's about Sally Fields' romance. It is. I used to love this movie. It's on HBO a lot. It's, it's her between two guys. It's pretty funny. Which maybe it was a precursor to Murphy. Um, and then. The part two of Lonesome Dove. Oh. See, we were having, before we started, a little bit of a nostalgia for the yes. network TV movie. Oh, bless them all. Your roots, your winds of war. Yes. Your north and south. I'm sorry, your Tenth Kingdoms. I loved the Tenth Kingdom. I watch it. But that's the last of, like, the real TV the really movies good that I remember. Ones. Also, I... Well, because Cable took over. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And But it was that thing of, they had their yearly miniseries... There was some big bombastic Based thing. On a big book. Oh my gosh. Well, it's every fairy tale lumped into one for like nine hours, something like that, which the and first time I saw it when I was in college, I found it in a blockbuster and I lost my mind. Oh, I watched it live. Oh, the- oh no, I watched it live with my oh, dad. Oh. But when I, I hadn't seen it in years and I would talk to people about that thing, it was the guy and there was a wolf and he had the tail and I loved it so much. And then all of a sudden, years later, I found it in a blockbuster and lost my mind. Diane Weist is a marvel in that. She is so good. Uh, so very quickly, we've been getting some emails from people yes. who apparently um, are not aware of the announcement of who's coming back for the revival. Yes. So we just wanted to clarify a yes. little bit. So first of all, we do know who's coming back to the revival, and it's very exciting. So we definitely, obviously, have Candace Bergen. We also have n- most of the gang coming back. We have Faith Ford back as Corky. We have Joe Reglabucto back as Frank. We have Grant Shaw back as Miles. And asterisk on this one, Jim is not coming back as a series regular. Sweet Charles Kimbrough is 81 years old. He's not coming back as a regular, but... There's a rumor. There's a rumor, and they haven't ruled out if there's going to be a guest star opportunity to catch up or see where Jim is. Which I wouldn't be surprised about, but nothing official on that matter has been. There are a few publications online that are saying that producers are planning to produce an episode. We 
we're hopeful, and I, we wouldn't be surprised, but it's not an official announcement. Obviously, Robert Pastorelli, who played Eldon, passed away. Uh, Pat Corley, who played Phil, passed away. So no one's expecting them to come back. And um, we also, very excitingly, f- had a few casting announcements. Yes. So um, Avery has been cast. Yes. Uh, with the uh, very charming Jake McDorman. Mm-hmm. Some of you may know him from Limitless. Um, I know him from a short-lived series called Manhattan Love Story. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really great casting. It is. Yeah. It's really charming. And then um, some of you may know um, his new character, whose name is Pat. Mm-hmm. So that's a nice little tribute to Pat yeah. Corley. And uh, Nick uh, Dodani will be playing the social media director and sort of bringing the FYI team into the uh, modern age. He's a really funny comedian. Go just YouTube him. There's stand-up, and he's he's super yeah. charming. I'm very excited to see what they're going to do yeah. with him. And I'm very impressed. He, Nick is very active in the political community. His uh, stand-up has a lot of topical issues, yep. and he's really perfect for Murphy Brown, and we're both very excited that he's yes. going to be joining the cast. We do plan to go further into the revival, especially uh, we don't want to jump too far in right now because we're waiting for upfronts in May and then who knows we might have even more casting announcements for characters we're not even prepared for yet so we want to kind of save all that and to discuss it a little more in depth and we have more information as has been posted they're currently still doing auditions so we don't know who that could be for it could be for big parts it could be for smaller parts but we'll find out a lot more come May. Yeah, and just to remind people, we talked about upfronts a little bit in our first episode. That's when the advertisers in New York come together to hear the presentation of the picked up series. Now, of course, Murphy Brown has already been picked up, which mm-hmm. is a rare thing for most That's networks. becoming way more common these it days. It is definitely coming way more common if you have a star connected who doesn't want to worry about doing a pilot and then mm-hmm. not get it, you know, doing all that work and it not being a series. Exactly. Or something like this, which is a revival, so that's a guarantee, mm-hmm. you know. But contracts are signed, season the season's happening. Yeah. But it is it's tradition within the industry and it's also a great way for them to kind of package and start promo materials. Yeah. So there there may be a promo. Um it's it's also usually when most people know about it, you know, there's still people online who don't know the rival's happening. You exactly. know, but that's sort of that's gonna be CBS's sort of big announcement. It's usually mm-hmm. at like a big place like Radio City mm-hmm. or some you know, Carnegie Hall, something like that. Yeah, it's a it's a big week for the the Hospitality industries in New York City. Oh, yes. We all notice when it's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But let's go into the episode. Yes, let's do it. So we are in episode 12 of season one. And we open to the song, the titular song, Why Do Fools Fall in Love? Uh, A little bit on this song. It was originally a hit for the uh, New York City-based group Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers, which is so 1950s, I can't. It was released in January of 1956. It reached number one on the R&B chart, number six on Billboard's pop singles chart, and number one on the UK singles chart in July. It uh, definitely kind of made Frankie Lyman uh, a household name, and it's listed on Rolling Stones magazine, uh, the top, the 500 greatest songs of all time. Yeah, no, definitely feel like one of the first real oldie songs that I knew. Yes, and it's been covered by everyone. And it's the name of many movies <laughs> yes. and probably other episodes of TV shows. But mm-hmm. this is quite perfect for this kind of this show. This one is very yeah. perfect. And it's it's that song that the second somebody starts kind of humming it, you finish mm-hmm. the lyric. It's, yeah. it's lovely. So we have a montage, sort of our traditional kind of becoming traditional opening yes. of lovers. We have so ad- many lovers. So many lovers. We have Adam and Eve. 
And then a painting that I tried. I tried to find out what this painting is, and I don't know. Do you know, Jesse? Not off the top of my head, but now that you say that, I really want to dig in. So hopefully we can uh, maybe put an update on the website, yeah. or we can follow up once we do. I was like, Jesse probably knows. I do, and I didn't stop and look for it. It's so hard to find paintings, because mm-hmm. you have to be like, girl on chair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. Why didn't people know how to catalog their paintings better Seriously. back in the day? Now, if the show was streaming, there would be other people online who could help us, exactly. and all this information would be out there, and we would not have to do all the work. Well, let's see, shall we? I do love searching for hard-to-find things. Okay. I, I have faith in you. We'll see. Then we, of course, have Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman from mm. Casablanca, oh. Ezra and Elsa. We have Gone with the Wind, Rhett and Scarlet. We have Frankenstein and his bride, yes. Boris Karloff. And uh, El- this is something interesting. So I always thought her name was Elsa L- uh, Lancaster, mm-hmm. but it's Lanchester. So I happened to find a interview with her and Dick Cavett, mm-hmm. and he said, does it bug you that people always say your name wrong? So it's a thing. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's probably Americans, because she's British, like, Americanizing it, and it's yeah. just sounding like Well, and there, there were a lot of famous Lancasters at that. Like, it was a notable yeah, name, yeah. so they probably just assumed. Elsa Lanchester, everybody. Good girl. Bride of Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster, mm-hmm. not Frankenstein. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you for that. And then we have Mary Tyler Moore and Dick Van Dyke. Oh, I love Laura and Rob Petrie. Who, by the way, did you know that that is also the name of the Mendozas in West Wing? Yes, girl. Yes, you went there. I did. Very proud of you right now. I realized that once and I went, oh my God, he named them after the Petries. Oh, Oh, I love it. Also, I have to say, I had a special... I'm like, I'm watching all the things. I'm like, oh, Casablanca, it's my favorite classic, all these kind of things. The second that I see young Dick Van Dyke beaming smile, my insides just went into a puddle. I love the Dick Van Dyke show so, so much. much. And I just swoon every time I see him. I love him so mm-hmm. much. And then Burns and Allen, Yay! which made me very happy because Burns and Allen often are left out of these kind of things. I don't know why that would make you so happy, Lauren Milberger. If those don't know, <laughs> I have over the last few years been writing a play mm-hmm. on George Burns and Gracie Allen. I've played Gracie Allen several times in readings. Mm-hmm. I've always gotten very close in contests. It's uh, Something that I'm trying to get out there. It's kind of her thing. It's kind of one of my things. <laughs> I've played Gracie at a, politi- a political show mm-hmm. that I did last for the election last year. One of the big things for me wanting to do it is because they feel very much in the shadow of Lucy and Desi. Yes. And they're just sort of left out. In fact, it used to be bathrooms on sets were either Lucy and Desi or George and Gracie. And uh-huh. now they're just Lucy and Desi. Yeah. Because no one knows who they are anymore. Well, you'll fix it. So this made me happy. Thanks, guys. Yes, thanks. Thanking everyone involved. And then what I call the comic slides, because yes. the rest of these are for comic effect. Yep. Tammy Faye and Jim Baker. <laughs> Roy Rogers and Trigger. Oh, Trigger. Which cracks me up. It made me really happy to see it. Yeah. Not his wife. Not Dale. No. Oh, no. Donna Rice and Gary Hart. Oh, we've talked about them we've before. We've talked about them. And That's the famous picture. It is the famous picture. <laughs> and what's great is that it ends on a close-up with the lyric, that fool is me. Yes! I'm so glad you caught that, too. Not on, I don't think it's not on purpose. <laughs> and then, is this the first time that we close-up fade into the building? Because I, I feel like it is. It stood out to me. It did to me, too. But I feel like I've said that before, and I was wrong. Yeah, that's true. But we're going to say it we're gonna say for it ourselves. Exactly. So we arrive at the FYI offices. Uh, Jim arrives off the uh, the elevator. And uh, Murphy's 13th secretary is waiting. And she says a very warm hello to Jim. And the first thing you do, you're like, she loves him. Like the, oh, Deborah so, May. So, uh, oh, Deborah May. With May's the, the best. first hello, you're like, 
she's in love with Jim. My impression is that he doesn't quite realize in this first oh, interaction what's no, going he does on. Not. And she's talking about how lovely he is and he's just so kind. He's such a good man. And he asked her how she's settling in. She's like, oh, well, th- you know, it's like thanks to people like you, Jim, and that kind of stuff. As a thank you, she has an early Valentine's Day gift because just like the airing of this episode, it's the day before Valentine's Day. Ding! It's the first time they've actually lined up perfectly. Yeah, really. We're Christmas like, didn't, we're but... On, we're on track now. <laughs> nailing it. And Jim is very thankful and, of course, doesn't get it, thinks it's for everyone. Frank comes swooping in and he waves him over and says, oh, come over, uh, see what Leslie has. He's like, oh, Frank loves chocolate. And then it's a very awkward moment because Frank immediately understands what's happening. The way that the Joe goes, okay, okay. It's 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 part awkwardness and part like a dig to a friend. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's mm. it's graceful, but also you idiot. Yeah, and he um, has work to go do, so he takes himself out of there. And we see this awkwardness in Jim that the closest we've seen this side of Jim, I would say, is probably when we had um, Annabelle flirting on him mm-hmm. but he wasn't into Annabelle he's clearly thrown off oh he's so charmed by her he is so charmed and I I also appreciate this moment of this woman being so into Jim because I'm like yes yes Jim is a sexy you know, man you know that she probably came in with the crush though that she oh, probably yes. saw him on oh, TV oh she's been watching him for years because yeah, yeah. she's a mature woman mm, yes exactly and she's hot so a moment for Deborah May I, we say this all the time about these actors but she is that actor you've seen in everything yeah. you, probably most recently people saw her in The Walking Dead yeah. Her uh, eyes are always so... Like, yeah, and like her brow bone and everything. Yeah. It's so stunning. I... Oh, she was also in West Wing. You, yeah, she was You know, relevant Wing. to our interests. Larry Sanders show. Yes. She's been in everything. And she's still working. That's why I bring up The Walking Dead. She was a great, uh, I think, three-episode arc at, um, as... I loved her in that. But she's especially important to me because she was on two of the 80s, 90s Star Treks. Uh, she was in one of my favorite Voyager episodes, which is not something I normally say because Voyager's iffy, but I do love my Janeway. And it's called Favorite Son, in which uh, one of the crew, I think it's Kim, starts believing that he is not actually the uh, the race he thought he was, and he starts transforming into an alien race and gets swooped. It's it's very interesting. It's all about this other race and are their intentions pure or not. And and she plays one of the other race, and she's kind of a leader. And the second I, I looked at her picture, I was like, oh my gosh, she's that one. I knew exactly which character she was in that episode. She's a potentially nurturing, but maybe something else going on kind of character, which suits. And she was also in an episode of Deep Space Nine that I loved. And Deep Space Nine is my favorite. I feel like so. I remember her from that. Yes. Even though I didn't it's watch... It's called Sanctuary. I didn't really watch Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. It wasn't my thing. Uh, it's my but favorite. But for some reason, I went, oh, that she was uh-huh. in that. Yeah. It's a, it's a great episode. It's about Sanctuary, which they deal with a lot. Anyway... She is still working. She's still fabulous. And she looks great in this episode. Like, mm-hmm. she is... They cast her so well because I truly do believe that she would make Jim think. Yeah. She's she's a great type. And she's very confident. Maybe she's Jim's type. Yes. They'll talk about later. But she knows Jim is married. Mm-hmm. Like, none of this is that she's confused about this. <laughs> Anywho. So it's very awkward. And then Jim extricates himself. You would say, and Corky joins them in the little in the table. Can I can I point out the coffee island for a second? Oh yes, do. I do believe this is the first time that we get to see the mugs, Jim's yeah. mug and Co- Corky's yeah, mug. Yeah, it is. Yes, because they've always been at the table. Yeah, well, but the coffee island has always been there. It's right? always been there, but they're never around it. They're never kind no, of they're, congregating they're, at it. They kind of do, but I, I think that 
this is an addition. This is a, these are prop additions. Yes. I think that this is the first time that they're adding a little bit of uh, character. Yeah, you know? it's the shared office yeah. space that they live in. Just like Murphy's house, you know, like uh, all pilots are, feel sort of sparse. Sure. Because you haven't added stuff yet. Yeah. Um, and then Jim's mug is going to come into a yeah, plot line later on. Yeah, it is. Uh, and so I always remember that too because I only knew Jim's fish mug. Yeah. Because I didn't know the Jim mug because it was before I started before watching. that time. So, uh, and Corky has a little pink mug with her name on it. It's so precious. Mm-hmm. So, Corky's on a mission, per usual. <laughs> and But it's on a, again, it's on a mission of compassion. She always cares. It, she always cares. Sometimes it's misplaced. But she comes in to say that Jackie, who you may remember, beloved Susie Plaxon. Continuity! Continuity! That's what I from love my sh- about it. I love that because you're like, oh, that chick. Um, from the episode I, I should have danced all night, or would have danced all night. Yeah, we keep doing that. Um, she broke up with our sweet Miles. Aww. And he's, per Corky's <laughs> lead up, is not doing so well. This is what I love about Murphy Brown, is that it always has continuity. And I think yeah. that I expected that from other sitcoms. Mm-hmm. I like episodic TV. I do too. Well, I, I just the little payoffs. Like, I love the idea that that moment with Jackie, that great moment with Jackie, lasted for a while. Yeah. It wasn't just one and done with care. And just the, even the mention of her character name created a larger yeah. world. And I just appreciate that. Me and Sweet Miles, I like the fact that he had a girlfriend for a little while. He did. I, I, I like that. His also because I liked Jackie. His first DC girl. Yeah. She's there to make sure that they're sensitive oh, to God. his plight, especially Frank. <laughs> she hits Frank. She hits Frank. She, like, she knows he's the problem. Everyone hits Frank, though. Yeah. It's, but that's it. She's of the team now. That's true. She yeah. knows to hit Frank and that he's the problem. So then Miles arrives. Corky's the one who actually ruins it. She totally, she immediately starts simpering on him and just draws attention. I love it. She goes, do you have any hobbies? Do you have any hobbies? <laughs> and Frank and Jim handle it really well. They're, you know, we're here if you need us. Jim does a sweet, like, kind of slugger pat. And, of course, Miles is... He's in the depths of despair. He's never going to find another woman like Jackie. He's like doing his dramatic fall into the table. Um, and they were Frank- going to buy a farm. Yes, they were going to buy a farm. He got real. I, I think he went a little farther than the relationship warranted. And Frank is like, it's really hard to meet women. Don't worry about it. Like trying to do like, yeah, bros, we're in this together. And then Murphy immediately walks past and is just like, oh, yeah, my friend Meg has the hots for you. So here's her phone number. <laughs> Um, I love that she's just like whatever about it. Like, yeah, she's like another friend, person thinks my you're friend hot. Meg, <laughs> blah blah blah. Well, I mean, obviously, we're gonna find out later. You know, Murphy was really pushed into this. Yes, because uh, you don't want to be responsible for that. I don't. I don't like it either. It's like when you hook people, two friends that know each other. Like my cousin once dated a friend of mine, mm-hmm. and I was like, no, please don't do this. Don't you're don't gonna break it. up. It's gonna be weird. Uh, I know. And they did. Like, <laughs> like it happens. Uh, so. So yeah, she's just in this, the worst way that Miles could witness. It's just like, yeah, somebody else thinks you're hot here. Go on a date with them. Yeah. <laughs> it's just great. Yeah, great timing. It's not that easy. Frank, she, she has the hot speed. Here's her number. And she like yeah. tosses the number on the table and just goes in her office. Also, she's in the hottest little like lavender blazer and gray dress. When I realized that the gray dress was like a jersey knit. I, I got like, so excited. So comfy. Because I have a knit gray dress. So now I'm going to try and find that lavender no, jacket. For I love it. the lavender jacket. It's phenomenal. So Leslie's just like doing her job. She's a great secretary. She's really good. And again, we do notice she's number 13 and gone, not for her faults. <laughs> no, anytime a secretary is great, good, somebody something runs happens. Out. Yes. Frank is following Murphy into her office and, and he's trying to figure out what the deal is with this thing. 
And this is when we really start seeing Neurotic Frank and Neurotic Frank's reaction to being set up to women in general. And uh, he says that he's pretty sure that his commitment to his therapist is proof that he he shouldn't be going on these dates. It's Is it... I tried to type it quickly. Three years with the same shrink. If that's not commitment, I don't know what is. I know. It's such a Frank line. It is. I also realized, I think that Frank might have been the first character as a child that I remember like going to a therapist. Interesting. Even though as a Jew, that's a thing we do. Hey, therapy's great. I didn't realize that not everyone thinks it's great, though. I thought it was just... It's everyone... changed within my lifetime, the yeah. general acceptance of therapy. I had a roommate who just always kept coming to me to stuff, and, and I never had the right answer. Mm-hmm. I mean, she probably just wanted to just talk, but I felt like she needed needed someone. I thought I was doing something helpful by saying, maybe you should talk to a professional. And was, of course people took that as, you're crazy. Of course they did. I was young and naive. I was talking to a friend, and I said, I don't understand. Like, here it's a good thing. And she goes, yeah, no, Lauren, don't say that to a white Southern lady. <laughs> I mean, still kind of true. Yeah. So to clarify, he's trying to say that his ability to commit to his therapist proves that he knows what commitment is. Yeah. So so here's the thing about Frank. <laughs> Frank is a romantic. Mm-hmm. Frank wants love, but is so neurotic, he doesn't seem to understand why someone would want to love him. Exactly. That's the problem. Gosh, I have no idea what that's like. <laughs> it, here's the thing. I, what I love about his, his issues in this department mm-hmm. is they're actually... Things that we normally see stereotypically put upon women. Oh, yeah, true. You know, it's the it's the hot girl just can't realize that she's hot. It's the like, oh, I just, I don't understand why they don't love me. It's these neuroses that we're so used to putting on high-maintenance women. But you put it on a, a dude, and it's it's charming and neurotic. I just, I really like, I like seeing something that is a little stereotypically feminine. I agree. He's he's so gooey on the inside, he Frank. Is. Which is a great contrast to his work persona. And his lip bomber jacket. Like you, get, you know, you just love him. You get later why Meg is like, he's not what I thought. Yes. Yo, you absolutely expect someone who's just like, whatever. Yeah. And the fact that he actually just has feelings. Yeah, she's like, no, no. And bad. again, it's it's the same thing that we talk about the juxtaposition with, you know, a man in a dress that is Murphy is a woman in a Frank's bomber jacket. Like, they they pair up very nicely and they they buck stereotypes. They complement each other. They sure do. Like we complement each other. Yes. So Murphy's not very sure that he can actually do this. <laughs> and, but she's trying to urge, like, Meg is a potential quality relationship. Yeah, that's the thing. Like she, she as much as she doesn't really want this to happen, she doesn't want to put the pressure on it. She, she's, it's her yeah. friend. It's her friend. And it's, yeah. it's not necessarily somebody that you just want to mess around with. Yeah, and she wants Frank to be happy. Yes, and he could be. Well, he could be. Hope. So uh, they're back out in the bullpen now. And Frank is trying to be like, how would you feel if I fixed you up? And she's like, I'd be flattered. And so he's like, fine, we'll fix each other up. Apparently 1978 was the last time that happened to her. a long time ago. Which is kind of fascinating to me. But I guess I could see people being like, I don't want to assume she wants a man. Also... (laughs) She had only been in, in D.C. for about a year. Exactly. So maybe, you know, she wasn't as stuck mm-hmm. in her work at the time. And Yep. So yeah. as they're doing this over the uh, the coffee bar, Corky kind of leans into Miles. She's like, Miles, I'm not abandoning you. I just have to go help Murphy for a minute. And she stands up and swoops around to be on my, uh, Frank's side. Do you have it? Because I have what Corky says. The quote? Yeah. Yes. We women have so many years we can play hard to get. Time's up, Murphy. Go on the date. Here's the worst part. First I went, oh, how dare, Corky. Oh, wait, that's I how mean, I feel right now. Right? Hey, you're not single. Hey, I just think that it's not actually an incorrect statement sometimes. Okay. 
And I still go on dates with, with my partner. Okay, that's Date nights are important. They are very important. Miles, on the other hand, is in the depths of despair. He goes, don't do it. It's better to lie out the rest of your years alone and safe than to feel like a piece of disgusting garbage rotting in the gutter and just takes off. (laughs) And Sweet Corky runs after him, full of compassion. So Murphy, husband Swade, she'll say yes. Frank goes off to get her a date. And I don't have the, what does she request of him? Not the guy whose underwear sticks out of his pants. Yes. And we, uh, he walks down that section of the set that we never ne- see them go. Yep. Down. Shout out to the, the part of the set we never Love see. Love that set. I'm always like, where is it? They always disappear that way. And yeah. I, we never see what happens. I will have to make a note, but I don't think we ever see that hallway <laughs> I don't, ever again. No, I don't think so. That's, but I also. It's like the flap. It is. The no, that's it. That's what office. I thought. Of. But also, I have to tell you, my I realized when they walked off that way, mm-hmm. I spent my entire childhood believing, because I, I had the sudden memory, that I believed that when they walked that way, they walked onto the set. My childhood connected the sets. Interesting. I assume the set's on a different floor. No, now as a, as oh, a functioning okay. yeah. adult, I know the set's on a different floor. But as a child, I was like, oh, they walk through there to the right, and then they're on the set. I'm starting to think that maybe Frank's office is that way because he does come there a lot he when he's come, leaving. He does, yeah, he disappears that way. And then Corky's way. office is probably like behind the elevator. Exactly. She comes from that direction the all fact the time. That this is thought out because that's the sections they usually come from. Yep. It's so amazing. Yes. Because I don't think we. Have we seen Frank's office? We see Corky's. I don't know if we ever see Frank's. Anyway, I know we see Miles. You know what? I'm proud of them. I'm proud of us. Me too. Yeah. Let's go. Okay. Uh, we cut to Leslie is coming out of Murphy's office, and Jim seems like he's kind of lingering. He's totally waiting totally for her. Totally waiting. And she's so glad that she saw him because she has a gift for him, which is a brass paperweight. I can't wait to use it. Oh, Jim. <laughs> and then Jim does his little sort of silently laugh. His little, like, shakes a little and bit. And then I wrote, leans back, puts hand in his pocket like a pants model. He totally does! <laughs> it's his, like, this looks nonchalant and sexy. But it doesn't. It doesn't. It looks like you're he's like, what trying to on. There's nothing there, bud, bud. But it feels like someone his age would think, like, he's like I look suave This now. looks good. Yeah. And I would badge him, badge him. Because then Leslie kind of asks him out. Yeah, for drinks. And it, he immediately goes, yes, perhaps. Won't you excuse me? And then just walks straight into Murphy's office. What I love is that it's such a gut reaction. He he's goes, like, yes, yes, I do. And he real he hears himself and goes, perhaps, perhaps. Just, no, won't you excuse okay. me? Um, yeah, so he, <laughs> he just like beelines into Murphy's office. And uh, we see on the dartboard that there is a Valentine with a, a child's Valentine with like on the dartboard. Yes, Jesse. I have a theory. Jesse in the back. Jesse in the back raising her hand. Um, I think that's a Valentine from the kids from Murphy's Pony. Oh my God, mind blown. I think that they send her valentines because they love her. Mind blown. Right? I was like, child's valentine. Oh my gosh, it's from the kids. I'm, I'm absorbing, absorbing that. Absorbing it. Absorbing. Because she stayed in touch to make sure that they're okay. Absorbed. Beep, beep. He goes, Leslie wants me and I like it. And he's terrified. It's like this, like, ah, fix it. I love that he goes to Murphy because usually it's Murphy going to gym. Right? He's so yeah. vulnerable. And she's wearing this great knit. It's a it's a, a black skirt with, with that great belt with the, mm-hmm. the sort of gold buckle. And this sort of, what is what is that 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 material? It's a like sateen, a, oh, a little bit. Interesting. Is it that shiny? It's kind of shiny. Yeah, I would say it's probably a sateen. Yeah, it's a blue shirt, sort of dark blue, not even a royal blue, but like a dark dark like blue. Like a navy. Kind of a navy. It's weird. I've seen that outfit recently. And the sh- um, and she's got the the shoulders sort of you know the scrunched sleeves up. scrunched up, but it makes it really poofy. It looks very architectural. It does. It works on her, but it wouldn't work on me. That's so funny you say that because you're currently wearing a black pencil skirt, a belt, and a navy blue 
kind of shiny blouse. I didn't mean to cosplay. I really didn't. She straight up walked in. I was like, I just watched that outfit, and except it, a little bit more daring. This is more of a royal blue, though. It's so and it's silky. I mean, not real silk. It's so <laughs> it's so close to what she's wearing in that episode. It's ridiculous. I looked down and I went, I didn't do this on purpose. I didn't do it on purpose. So Jim says that he he finds himself, you know, doing things like, uh, you know, spending time in the Xerox room hoping for a chance meeting, running off 50 copies of his hand in hopes, you know, she might come in. And I thought it was interesting that they don't say copy room. I mean, I think they said this last time, right? They call it a Xerox. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And for some reason, this time it pinned in my head and I was like, interesting. Yeah. Kleenex, obviously. Yeah, it's, it's Kleenex, Band-Aid. It's all those things that are known by a brand name, mm-hmm. not by what the actual item is. But it's interesting that they weren't told to change it maybe to something generic. Yeah. Who knows? So, uh, Murphy's very awkward about this. <laughs> She's <laughs> she, not, she doesn't handle this well. No, no, no. She, she wants to know if Jim has a family priest. It's like if your dad came in and was like, I have the hots for someone, not your like, mom. Nope, 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 nope. No, thank no, you. Nay. And, and I love that Murphy assures him that it's it's human, you know, to flirt with someone. And if it makes him uncomfortable, he needs to tell her face to face. And then Jim has this great sort of human moment as well where he's like, do the right thing. I always do the right thing, don't I? <laughs> and it, it just sort of hates it about himself. Right. It's really kind of, it has an extra layer to it. That, that it isn't just that mm-hmm. he... He's a, he doesn't want to cheat on his wife. Yeah. He just hates that he always does the good thing. Yeah. That's he, exhausting sometimes. I I think about that a lot in career and in life. Like I life would be a lot easier if I didn't have the specific ethics and moral standards that I was given and sure. cherish. If I didn't care so much, I feel like things would be a lot easier sometimes. Well, that's a whole thing, yes. Yes. Um and then Frank bursts in. <laughs> and Do you have his line? And then Jim goes, and the part left over is where butter comes from. I think this is a thing that happens in the show a lot. <laughs> where, like, someone comes in, and, and then you turn it up to 350 degrees. And, <laughs> I love it. like, and the part left over is where the butter comes from. Just leaving Frank. Goodbye. And just takes <laughs> off. So Frank has the friend. His name is Richie. I love that Murphy's like a grown man named Richie. What is this, Frank? And I Which is true. Richie Cunningham. Yep. It's a very 50s name. Like, yeah, I, well, I think of either... The good old boys from like 1950s or like children. What's the character I'm thinking of? Richie Rich. Richie Rich. Yes, that was a character. The Macaulay Culkin. Or not Richie, but like Ricky Nelson, who yeah. then became Rick Nelson. I, it's that thing of I'm adding Rick an, Nelson now. You know that a man of his age was probably not born with the full name Richie. It's definitely a nickname for yeah. Richard. That you grow out of. That you grow out of. But as somebody who has a full name but goes by the E ending of my nickname. Oh, yeah. It's that thing of... There are some names that have an E sound at the end, but when it's clearly a nickname, like childish nickname, you assume at a certain point you grow out of it. I know one of my sisters went to her full name when she got, I think in her, I want to say she was like mid 30s. She's like, professionally, I go by my full name now. Yeah. Rick Schroeder. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So it came to me. I don't know why. But it is that, it's that assumption of, yeah, when you grow up, you get rid of your cutesy nickname. Murphy also has a habit of judging people. What? At the beginning by their name. One <laughs> of my favorite lines from uh, season three is when she goes on a double date with her mom. Oh, yeah. And she goes, his name is Bob. Spelled backwards is Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Which I used to say all the time when I heard the name Bob. And it's such a stupid joke. I, I love, it, love so it so much. I love it so much. Do you think she's projecting from having an unusual name growing up? Maybe. Oh, which, by the way, I now have a theory as to what her name comes from, and we're going to talk about it when we get to the Colleen Dewhurst episode. Oh, thank God. I can't wait for that episode. So, I'm so happy. 
So pin that, guys. Pinning. Yeah. So they grill each other about, you know, uh, what is Meg like? You know, mm-hmm. Meg is a lobbyist. Her favorite movie is Murmur of the Heart, which I was like, I should look that up. Mm-hmm. Oh. Didn't do it? No, I did. Oh. <laughs> did you look it up? No. Guess what? What? It's a Louis Mal movie. Stop it. Yeah. How did I not know that? I mean, come on. I think I might know it from the French name. So that- <laughs> That's the most pretentious thing you've ever said to me. <laughs> I believe I know it in its original French. Not that I could pronounce it. I just mean visually. <laughs> Does that make me sound not pretentious uh, no. anymore? <laughs> yes, actually, a little bit. I yes. just appreciate it. Bonjour. Bonjour. <laughs> so now here's the thing, though. I think this is a great example of Frank. I love this woman. Oh, yeah, he's totally he, lying. He, yes, right? He's, he's totally, totally lying. Also, because we know later on that his favorite movie is The Maltese Falcon. Yes. <gasps> Yes. Mm-hmm. Frank, you are a liar. Liar and a fraud. Trying to like a pretentious Name French film. What? You're a liar and a fraud. Oh, no, I don't know. What's it from? It's Bette Midler. Oh, from what? First Wives Club. Oh, you That's just, like you, you quoting the... It. Yeah, it's like it's the watching the... Are you saying the B-O-B, spelled backwards as B-O-B thing? Yeah. I have made that joke. You're a liar and a fraud. My entire oh, life... she's talking to Rex's husband. Yes. Yeah, I remember. To Morty. I haven't seen it in a while. No, I've... I That was probably the first movie I ever quoted regularly because I watched it so many times. I, I, I taped it from TV and I watched it all the time as a kid and I was obsessed with them. And so I always quote that and I realize that only about four of my friends know what the line I'm quoting whenever I quote it and they think I'm just being dramatic. <laughs> uh, I watch the end song a lot. And Obviously, I used to have it on my iPod. I love it. Uh, see, what Jesse's alluding to is my other scrapbook uh-huh. was Bette Midler. Mm-hmm. My head exploded when she was in the finale. Uh, anyway, moving on. We're a big Bette Midler fans. We're big Bette Midler fans in this podcast. Yes. Um, I like to say that I pray in the shul of Bette Midler. Oh, bless you. Thank you. See, I used a Jewish word. There. Yeah, you did. I'm so yeah. proud of you right now. So, and then the big question, of course, is the biggie. Her parents are dead. I'm in love. <laughs> That is such a great No parents joke. to deal with. No, no, no. And then, of course, Frank knows nothing about Richie. He met him, what, like last week or something? Yeah, it's, he's known him for... Yeah, I yeah. guess he just joined his, yeah, he just his met ensemble. Him. I mean, I call it an ensemble. It's a bunch of guys like playing at like a club. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah he's in his, club. his, his yeah. jazz thing. Yeah. And then uh, so Murphy's just like trying to find ways to get out of it. And then Frank says, aren't you always talking about dating a regular guy for a change? And I wrote, valid point, Frank. That's a valid point. I feel like that's a struggle that she goes through through most of the series. Yeah, well, when, you, it's that idea of you say like, oh, I really want this thing. But you don't. Yeah, because honestly, all of the guys that mm-hmm. she goes out with who are regular are boring yes yes get your weirdos who are the interesting ones peter yep jake jake and jerry yeah and they're all huge personalities who challenge her and who are famous yeah and drive her insane yeah she doesn't want a normal guy no she doesn't so we fast forward to it's date night time date night again frank comes from one area Murphy comes from her office. Mm-hmm. We're definitely making this headcanon until somebody tells us otherwise. No, no. They enter and she's in her like power suit. She's in like the oh. white, uh, the white shirt and the red blazer. Collar up. Collar up. She's got a brooch. Uh, she's looking great. Frank. I love the sweater. I love his Murphy sweater with a jacket too. over it. No, he looks really great. But I was telling Lauren this before we started. It's that thing of Frank is dressing older than himself in this moment. Like he looks like the guy who doesn't dress up that often. And therefore is wearing something he saw his dad wear. It's a li- it. He looks great in it. I love the outfit because I I love an older man and I love older men's style. But there's something about it. It's not like he's actually much younger than he's presenting right now. And I think he's the guy who's he's in the field all the time. He doesn't really know how to dress snazzy. 
he doesn't have a full suit or anything like that or something that's a younger look. So he's wearing a sweater with a jacket over it and I heart it. Also, eventually he's going to be dressing very 90s and the 90s are not great to men. They are not nice to men. No, no, no. no. Mm, Nothing was fitted. No, no, no. No. And they're trying to act like they're not nervous. Mm -hmm. They're incredibly nervous. Also, real quick. Yeah. What is this thing in sitcoms that everyone goes on dates on Valentine's Day? You mean dates or blind dates? Blind dates. You want to talk about stakes raising? That's true. I mean, if you have the... I would not go on a blind date on Valentine's Day. I guess I would say from a writer's perspective, if I'm doing... No, I get it. If I have to do a Valentine's Day episode... Of course. I'd rather do something that's going to mess it up, and the potential of getting messed up on a blind date is way more interesting than the happy couples going out. I'm just just pinning that as a trope. No, it's an absolute trope. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've seen a Valentine's Day episode where it's normal people going on dates. Yeah. (laughs) Or if they do, everything goes wrong. That's true. So they're super nervous. Elevator opens not anybody that they're waiting for. They're constantly checking and like trying to act like they're fine. And uh, Murphy's already prepped to hate this. And so she's trying to see if they could have like a signal that they would send each other if it doesn't go well. Oh, do you have the... I do. Okay. So Murphy's going to... Her signal is going to be, I hate my dry cleaner if mm-hmm. it went badly. And Frank is, I got ripped off on my new steel belted radials. <laughs> okay. So Frank seems to be um, building this up a bit. <laughs> That's what because Frank does. she set him up with a real friend, and she's trying to, like, ease the pressure and not say that, you know, they're mating for life here. Yeah. That's not a thing that's going to happen. And she doesn't decide, why do I do this? And again, yeah, he's, uh, he's needs to pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah, actually, now I see, this is where I originally wrote the notes of what I talked about before. I wrote, Which? he's a hopeless romantic who fears commitment. Oh, cliche. Wants to be loved, but doesn't know why anyone could love him. Frank Aww. Fontana. Frank Fontana, ladies and gentlemen. Too fast or not enough. Yes. Oh, bless him. Mm-hmm. Oh, we see the, uh, what's his name from the office? Molokai. Molokai. Which I was wrong. It's not glasses guy. <gasps> <gasps> you were wrong. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, Mullet. Molokai is a different guy. We're looking at the party real yeah. hard because he's waiting for the elevator. He's a brunette. I was thinking, the Mullet guy is a blonde. The glasses guy is a brunette. Yeah, yeah. Mullet guy is like a, a dark blonde. So the elevator opens, and we finally have the dates, Meg and Richie. We need to pause for Richie. I am very excited about Richie. First of all, I'm excited because he's in a couple of my favorite episodes from some of my favorite shows. Uh, He's in Hero Worship from Star Trek The Next Generation, which is a beautiful episode Mm -hmm. in which Data saves uh, a boy from, I think, a wreckage. It's this young boy who's dealing with the trauma of losing his entire family, everything in this traumatic event, who in coping starts to emulate data for the so he starts having no emotion and doing all of the idiosyncratic things that data does and picking mm-hmm. up and trying to act like a robot. Oh. So he doesn't have to deal with the trauma. It's beautiful. And he's also in Ding 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 Murder She Wrote. <gasps> I love this show. It's one of my favorites. It's um this episode in which uh, they are trying to adapt a board game to her books. So they're making like a Clue-esque game. This sounds very familiar. It's wonderful. It's not, however, one of my other favorite episodes when they um, bring her in for a um, virtual reality game, which is hilarious in the 90s. Looking at that now, no, this is a real board game. But what happens is there's this kind of like man behind the curtain character that he's the man who like runs the board game company. He lives up in this apartment that's full of games and toys and all this Mm. kind of stuff that you can only get to with a special invitation. It's... Very fascinating. He was also on an episode of Love and War. Yes, he was. And uh, he's one of the suspected potential killers in this Murder, She Wrote episode. Well, how can you not be? But more importantly to me, as I was looking into his stuff, because I was like, what are you doing now? 
I found out he is an alum of my college in the University of North Dakota. Hey! Yeah, he was there a couple decades before me. <laughs> but yes, UND for the win. He's, and I see it when he's acting. He's a good North Dakotan boy. Oh, oh, Richie. He's, he's also, he's, he's, sorry, his full name actually, just so everyone knows, is mm-hmm. Harley Venton, which is an amazing name. Is that his real name? Yes. Wow. Harley Venton. Go parents. Um, and yes, he was uh, born in Jamestown, North Dakota, which is a very tiny town that I have a couple friends from who I met in college. But he was also in Larry Sanders' show. Oh. So we got a lot of people yeah. connecting the dots. Um, he was also in another episode of Star Trek Next Generation, Ensign Row, which is an amazing episode about the Bajorans. But I, I more loved the uh, hero worship reference. Mm-hmm. So... We meet Richie. He is uh, He's a very handsome man. And he does the most adorable thing I've seen in a meet cute in a while, in which he, to prep for a potential rejection from Murphy, he just wrote down his like little history and anecdotes about himself so that she can go over that and decide right then if she's interested or not. That's the one thing that I that this show does do. When Murphy goes on a date, her date always has something kind of like cute and like different. It's- it's very, it's a very charming little Midwestern it's very boy moment. Like Jerry brought her a roadside emergency kit. Yes, it's. I love. It. He's like, I just, I just wrote this down so you can just take a look at peruse yeah. that and make your decision it's, now if you it, need to. It's one of my favorite. It's very. And cute. she, it charms her. She's very turned on by him. Murphy's um, weakness is men. She loves it, and she goes, "Why do you stand on gelato?" By the way, it's not the first time that gelato is mentioned in, in the show in, in like date episodes. Was that like an eighties thing? Like we're gonna get gelato. I think it was considered way fancier because it was harder to get, and now we have uh, gelaterias everywhere. That's true. And then we have uh, Meg is clearly not getting excited about Frank from the get go. Uh, see, really, I didn't get it until the elevator. Oh, I was like, she's a. I thought I thought I witnessed a standoffishness. It may have just been that I knew what was gonna happen, yeah. but I definitely was like. It, the sparks weren't flying between them the way it was immediately flying between Murphy and Richie. Well, there's only one woman that I think Frank had chemistry with, so. Yeah, exactly. Agreed. And that's, like, um, later on. Yes. So as they're getting onto the elevator, we hear their code lines. Oh, it's great. Which is Richie's positive, I love the first cut on the new Chick Corea album. And then she, very deadpanly, goes, my dentist says I need a root canal. And then the elevator's closed. Boom. I also realized that the heart on the elevator is like a friend's best friend necklace. Yeah, it's got the jagged. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So we cut to Phil's. Phil has heart suspenders, which is adorable. As he does. We find out that he and Phyllis have been married for 41 years, which I counted it means 1948. Frank doesn't seem to say anything that Meg likes. He likes hamburgers. She doesn't eat meat. It's very awkward. Murphy wants to take Meg to the bathroom and just sort of, you know, see what's happening as, you know, ladies do. <laughs> and they awkwardly go past Jim and Leslie in a booth at drinks. Yes. And they're like, Jim and Leslie. <laughs> okay. Frank is not what she expected. We were talking about this, right, that, that there's obviously a big difference between Frank's public and private persona. And she was mm-hmm. expecting Frank's public persona. Maybe she was expecting the toupee. Oh, right. Just saying it. Just saying. Yeah. We got an email, too, from one of the writers who said, hell yeah, we should have thought of that. I'm still behind my headcanon about it. I think that explains (laughs) it. Hey, you keep your headcanon, I will keep mine. Mm -hmm. She hates Frank's shoes. (laughs) Murphy is very unhappy. And I totally get this. Meg is very unforgivable in this. (laughs) I don't like Meg at all. I'm sorry. I don't think she's unforgivable. I think she has every right to have a preference and be like, I'm not interested. Sorry. Um, Or not sorry, because women say sorry too much. Mm -hmm. But... I think she has every right to not be interested and be clear about that, but I think she's being unforgiving. I agree. Not she's she's completely forgivable. She's a human, but she's being very unforgiving. Considering of Frank. Mrs. Murphy's 
friend. Right? Right? I believe that you need to be, when it's a friend of a friend, you exactly. need to be a little be, bit more considerate, nice. you know. And they're both wearing black stockings, which I thought was interesting. I love black stockings. No one really wears stockings anymore, but no one wears black stockings. So she wants Meg to give her a ch- Give Frank a chance. Mm-hmm. They go back. Oh, I love this too. She says that Frank laughs after everything he says. And I went, oh yeah, he totally he does. He totally does. They, to- they totally took that from, they didn't just make it up for I the episode. I they took that from Joe's performance. I'm pretty sure they did. Yeah. And that's a really great detail. I love that so much. Because I always hate when you they add, shows will add, not this show, but will mm-hmm. add things in and you're like, oh, they added it in for that. That yeah. was never a thing. Yeah. Just so we could be, yeah. It's like what, what we've heard from the creators about the idea, like these actors cre- like really blew the characters up into real yeah. people. The same thing with like Robert Pastorelli would just change lines with his charisma and yeah. make them even better. Like Joe is Frank. Yeah. I love that I can say Joe is Frank, not Joe was Frank, because Joe is Frank. That's right. He is Frank. Present tense. Yeah. Okay. So let's go back. So we, we come back, back to the table. We find out that Richie is a high school music teacher. Meg read a book called Wings to the Sun. I Googled it. It's not a real book. <laughs> How uh, dare they? Everything has been real so far. I was kind of excited. I know. And Murphy keeps butting into Frank and Meg's uh, conversation. She's so reportery. Oh, my God. She cares. But the thing is, is that she cares so much that it go well that she's not picking up on the fact that now her entire date with Richie is about yeah. making sure that Frank and Meg do well. Yeah. No, no, no. <sighs> um, this is actually Phil and Phyllis's wedding anniversary. Uh-huh. Yeah. But the reason that they're not there <laughs> is that they have a thing where he calls up on the phone and pretends to be a stranger. Like, no, no. The, she calls him. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But he pretends to be a stranger. Yes. Right? Or, or she, she calls pretending something. to be Rita. She calls and says her that's husband right. is away. Right. He asks how long he's away. And she said she's having some problems at home. And when he shows up, she's stark naked. And okay, that. Phil, that's all we need. Forgot about that. <laughs> uh, I so, love that that's their anniversary celebration every year. Yeah. So now Frank and Richie are going to go to the bathroom. <laughs> They're going to talk. And, and Richie is concerned that Murphy doesn't like him because she's spending the whole time talking about Frank. Yep. So they decide to go back in the bar, but they want to wait a moment because it's weird if two guys come back from the bathroom. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, I say, oh, God, because that's such a real concern and a thing it's it hits home well that's always a joke in in yep. comedy like why do women go to the bathroom and pass yeah, men can't come back to it so uh when they come out corky uh, we're back in the bar and corky has brought miles I, and i wrote down corky brings in miles like she's his nurse oh my gosh yeah he's a full-on invalid he can't be trusted alone yeah he wants to call jackie so she's trying to stop him from calling jackie i've been that friend and like, I am holding yeah. on to your phone. Mm-hmm. I'm keeping you away from payphones. <laughs> this is not happening. So we cut to, to Jim and Leslie, and they're in the booth, and, 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 and hold, holding, he's holding her hand, and Jim says that, that he just can't go any further, you know, uh, uh, he couldn't live with himself, but he doesn't, there's no reason they can't be friends. And Leslie's not very happy with this. She's not too happy about it. No. Um, she's upset that he, he ate her chocolates, he takes her gifts. So she says, someone is finally saying no to you and your twisted little sexual games. You make me sick. And then she throws wine or water in his face and then runs past Murphy and yells, I quit. It's a great exit. Jim just, yeah, and doesn't take the the wetness off his face, pretends it's not happening, and goes, night all. (laughs) In his, good night all. Just walks out. Frank goes, another one of your setups? <laughs> He's so angry at He's Murphy so right now. And so now... Can um, I just... Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, go go ahead. Can I just say quickly that I I really appreciate, as somebody who is a an avid Jim fan, mm-hmm. that it'd be very easy to keep Jim as a simple comedic 
prop. Like it's, he can always be the man of another time who's a little stuffy, but then gets a little crazy. And that would be, that would have been enough to make him very lovable and, and have a lot of longevity. And, you know, like he would have been fine, but I love the fact that they choose to give him, especially early on this particular flawed moment because it's pretty, pretty shitty. Yeah. (laughs) It's probably the worst thing Jim's ever done. Yes. And the fact that I never once believe that he's a scoundrel per se. He's clearly torn and conflicted about this and trying to do the right thing, but he can't quite help himself. And it's, and he doesn't do it. I think that's the key. I don't think I'd find it charming if he did do it and then felt bad about it. But I appreciate that they took the risk of giving him this potential misogynist flaw. Well, he probably has been married to Doris for a while. Long and he time. hasn't had someone flirt with him like that. No, because all the young guys get that. Yeah. And so I, I just, I think it's... Not the type. I'm very charmed by the fact that Jim is allowed to have flaws. No, it's great. So, so now we have Miles talking with Meg and Corky talking with Richie. And uh, Meg wants uh, Murphy to set her up with Miles. And this is interesting is that she goes, he's 10 years younger than you. And I love the fact that Murphy has friends that are younger than her. Yes. Like, a lot of my friends are younger than me. Yeah, a lot of my friends are older than me. And I think that's just life and reality. And and I just love that she's a female friend that's not necessarily 40. It's that thing that when when you're out of your college years, you start to realize that the age differences when school is not a factor and those those formative moments in life are now just we're all adults together out here in the world, it starts to become less of an issue. Yeah. Like most of my friends are about eight to 10 years younger than me. Yeah. I'm, the majority of my friends are older than me. Or now I've started to get younger friends because now I'm not the youngest one mm-hmm. everywhere, which I, I appreciate. So Meg likes his, and I love that she doesn't say ass. She says rear end. She loves his rear which end. Which is like something my mom would say. His little tush. Yeah. <laughs> And she goes, Meg goes, you never notice what a sexy little guy he is? <laughs> so, so Murphy, Murphy had, looks like she's going to vomit. Yeah, and she has an announcement that I love. And she goes, I have an announcement. There are too many people on my date. <laughs> it's one of my favorite lines in, this, in, the, in the episode. Um, and she says, Miles, this isn't Love Boat. Snap out of it. And then Meg says to, to Frank, you know, maybe this is one day, you know, we'll look back and, and you know, laugh at this. Because Murphy's like, you don't like each other, you know. Meg likes Miles, and, and he goes, I hate your laugh. <laughs> Which is good, because she hates his laugh, too. Mm-hmm. So, so now, obviously, we have, you know, she's pushing, uh, you know, Miles to go out with Meg, as he doesn't get what's happening. And then, you know, Murphy thinks she's going to rejoin her date with Richie, but, but Richie's going to go off with Corky. <laughs> she does. Uh, what does she say? She goes, can you believe how this all worked out? <laughs> Corky. Also, he's living with a younger woman, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, I think he's also younger. Oh, he might be. I think they're also closer in age. Oh, okay. I can see that. Um, oh, I don't think he's 25, though. No, I don't think he's 25. Oh, maybe but like in his 30s? Yeah. Early 30s? Yeah. Okay, I could see that. I don't think he's in his 40s. Yeah, probably not. Um, so Frank and Murphy are left alone. You know, and Murphy talks about how long it took her to get, get ready, and mm-hmm. everything's over in 15 minutes. She wore her lucky bra. That's and, a thing. It's totally a thing. And then she notices that Frank keeps looking over her head. He's flirting at a woman at a table, and she's like, just go, Frank. Also, real quick. Is that Amy Asbeck? No, it's not. 
Why do they keep saying it's Amy Asbeck? This is what I need to talk about. So IMDb and her wiki says that she's in this episode. That's not her. I do not see a- Amy Yazbek at all. She was the only one that I was like, did someone mistake her? Because I, I saw that note and I was like, that's interesting. So I went and looked. I was like, nobody at the bar is her. Yeah. And that's not- the one. It's a redhead with a cute little face. And I was like, it's not I her. I think they think that that's Amy Yazbek. I think that's what they think. This is why the internet is wrong. Yep. It, the internet also apparently has Grant Shaw's birthday incorrectly, which Faith Ford corrected us on. No. She's like, I don't think it's his birthday. And I was like, oh, Wiki like, says I it is. I feel like you would know. Yep. Yeah, I think you would know too. Yep. So the internet failed us again. I tried to ask Amy Yazbek on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Didn't get a response. If anyone can figure out why the hell it says she's in the... I thought maybe she was an extra in the background. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. I thought for. maybe she was the girlfriend. And that's why I was like, do they think that redhead is her? Or the blonde? I love Amy Yazbek. No one knows she was in Wings. Yep. She's in um, several Mel Brooks movies. Yep, that's how I know her. That's well, I, I also... We watched same. Wings when I was a kid, yeah. too, I guess. But, but she's adorable. So Murphy is left alone, and then this cute guy comes over... And asks if she's Murphy Brown, and she gets this look on her face like, oh, yes, I am. Oh, it's going to work out tonight. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, I had a bet with my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So cut to the townhouse. Murphy comes home to Eldon in a big fight with some woman in her house. Felicia. Felicia, played by Donna Ponterato, who I will quickly say, I was very excited to see, she's in an episode of Murder, She Wrote. She's still working. She's so still working. Uh, she's fabulous. The Murder, She Wrote episode is called Jessica Behind Bars, in which, Je- in which Jessica Fletcher is at a prison to present about her life and her car- her new career, and then gets stuck in the prison, and because someone gets killed, and they're trying to get hurt to prove that it wasn't them. It's so fun. I love this episode. It's so Just cool. the title. Yeah. It, Jessica mm-hmm. Behind Bars. So uh, Felicia's a bit of a Jersey stereotype. Oh, is she? Is she? Just putting that out there. And they are going off about someone named Stephanie uh, that Eldon sees as his sister. It's not a problem. But he's got very um, graphic photos. Yes, apparently. <laughs> apparently. And Eldon says she's just jealous. And then Murphy walks into her house and was like, who is this? And he's so upset by it. He's like, she, yeah. And he doesn't remember her he's name. Like, Murphy something. Something. And which again is like, Eldon doesn't give a crap about how famous Murphy's supposed to be. When Felicia realizes, she's like, oh, you're the one who keeps finding little tasks for him to come over. Like, she's just like, oh, I love that. I love that. I love that there's somebody in Eldon's life who's affected by the fact that he won't finish this job. And then she thinks that it's like a sexual thing. Yes, exactly. And Murphy's like, ugh. Does she say snowflake? She does. I wrote that down. She goes, so listen, snowflake. Yeah, that's a new, that's not the same anymore. No, and I wrote (laughs) down, funny how words change so much after the last 30 years. And here's the thing that's interesting. It Mm -hmm. has changed a couple of times. Mm -hmm. Because I remember when I was on Live Journal. Yep. That was a long time oh, ago. Live journal. Live journal. Miss you. I used the word snowflake in context in a sentence. Mm-hmm. And I think this person just wanted to pick a fight with me and said, how dare you call me a snowflake? And I said, I'm not calling you snowflake. Oh, gosh. Um, so anyway, and so they told me that online snowflake met someone who was stupid. Mm-hmm. But now it means something completely different. Oh, so different. So that's fascinating. Yes. Also because it's a white woman calling somebody a snowflake, um, which uh, is not the context that we use anymore um i i think as an italian woman she was like oh no i totally know what that means but it's so Mm -hmm. funny looking at that context now no yeah because it's very different very different because everyone would be like you don't get to say that so she asked them to leave because this is this was not her plan for valentine's day no no and can i say what eldon says (laughs) oh i'm so glad you because i wanted you to do your impression 
Maybe I'd put turpentine in my eyes before I'd ever look at another woman again. Murphy does this massive eye roll oh, behind Felicia, but Felicia is feeling it in the exact opposite way that Murphy is feeling it. God, you look great in overalls. Mm. And he does this thing where he sticks his hand straight up. It's she comes best. over, she grabs it, he spins her, he grasps her in this really tight, like, like confident way and her knee is up and then he dips her down and they kiss and they stay like that and they it is the best i wrote it's goddamn awesome is goddamn what i wrote awesome. and murphy just not into it she, she begins be- to exit and she gives this look when she gets to the stairs and it goes all the way up because the they're stairs. still kissing they're still going and nobody cares that it's not their house and funny enough we hear our opening song again we do Two times the song is you played. You might have a little info about that, right? I do. So we got some information from Corby, who mm-hmm. likes to send us uh, info and happened to have written this episode. And she gave us something really cool that said that Diane okayed paying an extra $5,000 to play the song a second time. So a lot of times you have mm-hmm. to pay for usage. Yes. Right? Now, this isn't a Motown song. It's on the G label. And there was a really sort of a back and forth, and they weren't sure. But but Diane felt that it was very important that the song be at the end, story-wise. That was, you know, I think that's really interesting. So, as the song is playing, we get a little episode bumper code flash forward, we'd say. Ooh, epilogue. Um, so they're single shot cards with... Um, what happens after this episode with all of our couples? Kind of animal housey. Yes. So we have Miles and Meg went out for pizza. Miles called Jackie. Meg left with the delivery boy. Frank had several drinks with a cross-dresser. Are we going to pause and talk about yes. that? Yes. Okay. So, so cross-dresser. We both kind of, our pings went up being we like, went, is, that, uh, is that offensive? Is that the right term at this point? I don't know. So I went to um, the people who would be able to tell us this at, at GLAD, which I will link to on the website. And it's a glossary of terms regarding uh, transgender and similar conversations. Uh, and it goes through everything from the definition of sex, the defini- definition of gender identity and gender expression. We have transgender, transsexual, trans as its own often used umbrella term that doesn't actually have a precise meaning and thus is widely misunderstood and overused. But cross-dresser is actually listed as an official term on the GLAD website. And what it says is, while anyone w- may wear clothes associated with a different sex, the term cross-dresser is typically used to refer to men who occasionally wear clothes, makeup, and accessories culturally associated with women. These men typically identify as heterosexual. This activity is a form of gender expression and not done for entertainment purposes. Cross-dressers do not wish to permanently change their sex or live full-time as women. It replaces the term transvestite. Which is interesting to me. I am a huge fan of Eddie Izzard. Oh, same. As a comedian, as a activist, mm-hmm. as a dyslexic, and as a champion for people's rights, mm-hmm. including his own. Yes. And so if anyone who's followed his career maybe hasn't, when he first sort of was known in America... He, He's the first gender, I guess I would say, cross-dressing celebrity yeah. I ever knew of. Same of, yes. Yeah. So he would refer to himself as a transvestite. Yes. Because that was the word. That and, was the word they Or used. TV. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although he would say that in his yeah, personal remember. life, yeah. not on the sh- on the show. So there's a very famous special that Robin Williams produced, Dressed to Kill, which was sort of his introduction yeah. to America. Yeah. He referred himself as an executive transvestite. Yes. 
But nowadays, he does refer to himself as trans. Mm -hmm. And I remember I, because that's the words that he likes, that's the words that I use. Mm -hmm. And online, some um, on my Facebook, someone yelled at me and said, no, no, he's a transvestite. And I said, but this is the wordage that he prefers now. And I had to show mm -hmm. them the video. Yes. Because words change. They do. And also vernacular and and glossary is still a choice. The way that we express ourselves in language, it is often just as fluid and that's why we people have arguments and there are people within the same communities who argue about what the better terms are some are st less offended by one or more offended by the other um i think it's important to see what is um being published and how that alters and see what uh those representing uh the various groups mm -hmm. prefer but he has every right to choose a term yeah and that's and something also that. as well is that he uses the pronoun he mm -hmm. Um, and goes between what he calls boy mode and girl mode. Mm -hmm. And I have a friend of mine who also... Yes. Uh, it was funny. Um, they said to me, oh, I used girl mode and boy mode before Eddie Izzard, and I loved when he said it. Mm -hmm. But my my friend refers, prefers they, mm -hmm. or when um, they are styling themselves more towards male by mm -hmm. one particular name, and then a hyphen and male and female name mm -hmm. when they aren't... Uh, styling themselves in a female way. Yes. So I, and I, when I, I will ask people, I go, what pronouns do you prefer? Mm -hmm. Because even if I'm not in front of someone, I think it's, it's only right to refer to them in those pronouns when they are not around. Yes. I mean, it's, I, I teach. And one of the first things that we talked about this, this year when we were talking about going into, into schools and so on is how to create an environment, environment in which the the students feel safe enough to express themselves however they wish and not mm. to um, force any identities upon them, um, but also not make things uncomfortable if nobody is, is feeling comfortable. So how we have an open dialogue to allow them and invite them the opportunity to let us know if they have a particular pronoun or they would prefer to go by a non-binary uh, pronoun. Or if not, just not immediately assign pronouns to others and exactly. assume. But I think the thing that is key here with this particular phrase is that a crossdresser is not someone who is necessarily changing their gender nor their assigned sex. sex. Which is why it reminded me of Eddie. Yep. So it's an interesting thing. I, I wonder what the uh, what the creators. Well, it was an old. It's an old joke during that time. No, no. What I'm saying is, I'm oh. I'm wondering what, um, in their memories, what the, uh, the context was for these terms at the time. Oh, that's interesting. Because yeah. we weren't adults at that time, so I wonder what it was like within those conversations. Yeah, I mean, um, I believe that Eddie came out in 1980. Oh, was it three or four? But early 80s. But then again, if we're using the term transvestite, choosing to use the term crossdresser when that was not. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember the jokes and so on. So anyway, I'm no. fascinated by it. Yeah. I, um, and I wanted to look up. I was like, what is the correct term? Because things do change, and I want to make sure that I'm aware. Okay. We have Jim confessed to Doris. She forgave him, but denied him sex for a week. a girl, Doris. That's Doris. Um, we have Eldon and Felicia. You know. Phil and his wife. You don't want to know. Corky and Richie had a very nice time. <laughs> it's my favorite one. It's so cute. She has this face on, like, mm -hmm. everyone had sex but Corky. <laughs> oh, Corky. Uh, and then Murphy went upstairs and burned her lucky bra. Fair. You know? Very fair. Very fair. So that is the episode. And it was nice to be back and talking about the episodes. Yeah. I have to say. It's, I feel a little rusty, though. I, know, I was like, oh, oh, how do this I do how this? I recap again. I don't know if I know what I'm doing. Here are my opinions. Can I articulate them? We'll find out. Yeah. 
So thank you so much for for being here with us today. Uh, please find us on social media if you haven't already. It's Murphy Brown Pod. And our website, which we are constantly updating and tweaking, is murphybrownpod.com. Uh, you can listen to the episodes there, as well as we have a little FAQ if you're interested in some of the things that we're talking about. Which has the link to our Spotify playlist, mm-hmm. the Murphy Brown Empowerment Playlist. Yeah. Music from and inspired by Murphy Brown. And uh, please give, shoot us an email, um, either with the, your thoughts about the episodes or if you'd like to record yourself um, giving us some of your thoughts or how Murphy Brown has, has affected you. That's at murphybrownpod at gmail.com. Yeah, record on your phone. We'll include it in an episode. We'd love to hear from you. Oh, yes. And we have, thank you for those who have already reached out. We've yes. loved getting your emails and dialoguing with you. And if we haven't gone back to you, we are working on getting back to you. Yes. <laughs> we need our office hours. Yes. So our next episode will be uh, season one, episode 13, Soul Man. Where we'll talk about the origins of Charles Kimbrough. Yay, Kim. And we'll see you next week for another edition of FYI, the Murphy Brown Podcast.